0: Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20 some odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend Michael Polley... Watch one episode of Buffy week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Welcome to Buffy Virgin, a spoiler-free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. We're going to be talking romance and magnetic trains with Season 5, Episode 15, I Was Made to Love You. I'm your host, uh, monster expert Dennis St. John, and we are joined by a special recurring guest and friend of the pod, David Yoder.
1: I'm back. Hello.
0: Thought we got rid of him, but he's back. Uh, and why don't you guys introduce yourself from most to least likely to build a love robot?
2: Well my name's Michael. <laughs> oh, it's a rush, there's a rush, huh? <laughs> my name's John. I don't think I would try to build a love robot, but I have built robots before.
3: My name's Travis. I don't think I'd build a love robot either. My name is Michael. I'm happily married. Uh, I've seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer up to season five, episode 15. <laughs> I was made to love you. And that's quite a bit of Buffy to say that I'm still a virgin, but I haven't seen what happens afterwards. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get into uh, episode 15, let's throw it back to reactions to season five, episode 10. Into the woods.
1: Audience reactions.
0: Uh, so we're going to start with uh, over on Twitter, um, at uh says, um, actually, you're wrong according to Marsters about why Spike stuck around. The fans demanded he stays. Uh, he stay. Uh, he was meant to die in season two. I will say that him not fitting in made sense in season four, and I think, or I think, wears thin in season five. I think Riley leaving opens air a little. Uh, and she also says also firm team sister and not team Riley. He's never truly comfortable with being an equal partner, which I think is a good read. Also screw Xander for inserting himself into Buffy's relationship in that way whilst being wrong. Uh, yeah, no, he is actively placing blame on Buffy and her actions for him making these choices. Um, so I think we were more team, or at least I was more team Xander this for that episode, and called out for that. Uh, I should always know better than to be supportive of Xander.
2: <laughs> yeah, Xander came much off much better that episode, but I do see her point. Definitely. Yeah,
0: yeah, he, he, yeah, she's totally right. He is completely inserting himself into other people's relationships. But like,
2: it's also sort of what your what friendship is, right? Isn't all advice. Predicated on putting yourself in someone else's shoes and telling no. them other people what you would do. The good ship friendship.
0: Uh, and uh, at Dingo Action says, I'm just halfway through your sewed. I have so many reactions. Sad face. What were uh, they?
2: <laughs> Tell I us. Don't know. Dingo Action, what did you see?
0: Uh, uh, Thiago Lisi. Uh, over on YouTube says, I agree about Spike. Uh, get ready to be attacked by his fans, though. <laughs> uh, love the podcast, guys. Heart. So thank you. <laughs> yes, we are going to be attacked by Spike's fans again. Um, uh, Garint uh, Thatcher says, uh, "Less Le Spike,
2: I? Yeah, I think there's some typos <laughs> in this one. <laughs>
0: okay. Uh, <laughs> with the exception of Fool for Love... Uh, he hadn't really had much uh, screen time. I think it's because they didn't know what they wanted to do with Spike. Uh, only that he and Buffy had great chemistry, and the actor is charismatic and an interesting character. Uh, they weren't sure how far to take it, and changed it from writer to writer. Which, yeah, I totally think is true. Like, yeah, the Spike relationship changes changes from episode to episode, writer to writer. Uh, Buffy should have ended up with Faith, in my opinion. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh and silver spike says uh quotes us i don't think spike needs to be in the show oh you do surprise me lol uh thank god none of you were around to write for this show you would have killed it stone dead in an instant in my opinion
2: (laughs) i just want to say i agree with that completely like if we were actual writers for this show yeah we would have destroyed it i mean i think there's a big difference between uh you know the kind of person who wants to like have opinions about a TV show and the kind of person who ought to actually be writing one. Like, I don't think that we should have, no one should entrust us with like an actual production. If anyone was thinking about that, please, please stop thinking it now.
0: I mean, I will defend that.
2: I am a writer. Oh, Um, I'm sorry. Yes. Dennis, of course you are a writer and are an excellent writer Uh, (laughs) of wonderful stories. Uh, my point is, my point is only that it's, we're in a different mode than that.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. This is not my writer's hat. I'm putting on, uh, this like the to uh call this critical analysis is maybe overstating it but my podcast analysis hat is different from my writer hat uh, yeah.
1: but those are two very different things to analyze or critique versus creating something yeah so
3: yeah i don't think any of us would create this <laughs> right i mean this particular show i
0: i'll say i'll say like i this show was so fundamental to like my early writing style that even when we started this podcast, it was embarrassing for me to hear my own early writing style in the beginning of the show. Um, but I think I've ch- I've changed a lot as a writer since then, and you know developed my own ta- my own style. But it like definitely has its like origins in the show, in like ways that are like still to this day distracting.
2: Uh, but yeah, obviously we would be creating something else. So we agree with you, Silver Spike. <laughs> Put that in your internet and smoke it. Uh, all right, uh, that was a lot of reactions.
0: Um, but so thanks everybody for reacting with us. Uh, and now let's move on to the summary. The summary. Hey, fellas! Can't get a date. Looking for a love of your own? Well, here comes April. April is more than a mechanical sex toy. She's your new girlfriend. She was made to love you. Hand-built by Warren Industries, April is very pretty. A good conversationalist. Beep boop, have you seen Warren? Totally passes for human and is programmed in six standard positions with optional neck rubs and four fetish modes. Just turn her on and she'll turn you into a believer. Beep boop, I love you. April, she's perfect. Now's your time for love. AprilBot cannot pass as human. Do not introduce AprilBot to friends or family as if she's a real girl. Keep her in your dorm room. Hide your shame. Warning: AprilBot is 100 times stronger than a regular person. AprilBot does not obey the asthma laws of robotics. Do not attempt anything sexual with AprilBot if she is not your girlfriend. In clinical trials, AprilBot has thrown sexually aggressive vampires through windows. Do not try to calm AprilBot down. Do not break up with AprilBot. Do not date someone else if you own AprilBot. April may kill your next girlfriend. AprilBot can self-charge, unless you can't. Warn Industries is not responsible for injuries, broken windows, hurt feelings, or snap necks. In conclusion, love is too dangerous an emotion for automatons. Do not buy or build AprilBot.
3: April, she's perfect.
0: All right, uh, let's move on <laughs> to great lines.
3: Great lines.
2: Okay, I really enjoyed this line from Anya where she says, At first, it was confusing. Just like the idea of computers, like, whoa, I'm 1100 years old. I had trouble I- adjusting to the idea of Lutherans. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. I have nothing more to say. It was kind of like, I mean, like <laughs> the sense of like living in the future that we have with smartphones, like the, the you know, the reformation must've felt that way.
0: <laughs> it's shocking to me how like uh computer illiterate Tara sounds in this episode, but she's like, you can do all that in a regular computer. It's like,
1: what? <laughs> well, this is like 2000 or 2001, right? So it's early internet days. Okay.
2: Right. Trading Plus, stocks. Plus like you saw her family. She's from like the coal mines of West Virginia.
1: Yeah. yeah, she she was raised yeah. in the village, right? I mean, that's
2: <laughs> <laughs> new recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend no one watch the village. Uh-huh. Hey, <laughs> the village I, is I think great I've for recommended like half an, half an, an hour. The <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. It might it might be time to take a fresh look at M Night Shyamalan. Maybe uh-huh. maybe maybe he's aged better than I I would have expected. The village is the is the greatest gorilla cosplay movie ever filmed.
3: those people people didn't even know they were in a movie i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) all right i guess i have
1: the next line uh giles i'm not gonna attempt to do the accent just because that's I'm, i'm not good at that but we are not your friends we are not your way to buffy there is no way to buffy clear out of here and spike this thing get over it uh so i just thought that was a great line and i know we often focus on like the humorous lines but just the intensity of that and like the message that like i feel like if you're not on spike's team or side or whatever like as a viewer it's nice to have a character like directly confront him about this stuff and just be like hey cut that shit out you know Mm -hmm.
0: um yeah and like just like uh at the beginning of the series, Giles was so like wishy-washy and stuff to see, like he can really like lay the hammer down when he needs to.
1: Yep. bamf, Giles. <laughs> right. And then I snuck in a second quote here. Uh, Cause I was kind of like leaving it open for someone else to grab, but I just felt like it was such a good line. I had to take it. It's a uh, Buffy. I don't know about you guys, but I've had it with super strong little women who aren't me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's a great one. Uh, yeah. And I, I took this, uh, i guess so just a funny one a line between uh where Terrace like oh do you have any books on robots and child says oh yes dozens enormous amount of research we should be doing before no i'm lying i haven't got squat i just like to see xander squirm uh i i love that because i also uh i was surprised like i was like there can't be that much <laughs> not in this old-timey library unless they're like
1: Ancient robots from the... yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> Humunculus kind of stuff here, or whatever you think a robot is. All these uh, steampunk
1: anyway. books I have in the back.
0: Descartes did have a, uh, an automaton uh, daughter, according to rumor. I feel like that's something Giles would have a book about. Wow, that's a
2: great premise for a weird horror movie.
0: Yeah, his real daughter died, and he built an automaton simulation of her. Is the, like, story. Whoa. Um,
2: Like in Caprica.
3: The genre of sci-fi that's, like, trying to replace your dead kid.
0: I almost threw AI as a wreck just for Jude Law, but then I was like, you got to sit through a lot of that movie just for the enjoyment of Jude Law. I like that movie.
1: Oh, man, I want to change one of my recommendations now after this talk, though. Uh, But I'll save that.
3: (laughs) Um, Oh, so I have two quotes. One is Anya saying, you should see the website I designed for the magic shop it's got a big picture of me <laughs> she's so amazing and uh, at the party um xander when they're looking at the um the robot girl somehow i don't think a girl that looks like that will be lonely for long and then willow says definitely not <laughs> oh not for me and then starts uh, very great great comedic t- very yeah great great comedic timing
0: Good stuff. Yeah,
3: I like Willow
0: doesn't quite know how to handle herself around the the ladies sometimes. Uh, I like Xander's line of, "Oh dear God, I'm the grown up who sees the world through my job. I'm like my Uncle Dave the plumber. I must be shunned."
3: Uh, I related to
0: that line. That's something I struggle with.
3: That whole scene is great because it's just the recognition of uh, someone else's talent. And like the, the skill, there's a weird like the thing you thought someone does, and they're doing it exceptionally well. Like it's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. I do like like Xander having pride in his work, and Buffy just not like recognizing it. She's like, "You're <laughs> making this up, right?" <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let's go on to the kill count. The kill count. Uh, So I counted one dead robot, one human who remarkably survives what sounds like their entire spinal cord being crushed, uh, and one mom who's just resting on the couch. Uh, So (laughs) that's what we got to look forward to. Uh, But let's move on to Weird Noticings and Trivia.
3: Weird Noticings. So as soon as I saw this lady, this strange new lady, I wrote new character alert in my uh, Buffy notes. I don't I mean, I don't know if she's going to stick around, but uh, (laughs) just she got like a little bit of a dramatic uh, introduction, which was kind of exciting in a world where I'm anticipating everyone to be involved with Glory in some way or another. And so uh, and it wasn't that. And she's a young lady. So high school age. So I was like, is this or it could be college like is this the arrival of a new friend uh obviously plays out differently but uh i was so excited for this new character
0: it's exciting mike was excited
3: (laughs) sorry that's it that's my weird (laughs) noticing is like Uh, we what's going on someone Um, new
0: (laughs) i ask why is it necessary for xander to be in the puffy suit (laughs)
2: yeah xander built a dummy for explicitly this purpose
1: I mean, besides the obvious, like, comedic reasons. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the real reason. Thank you. Uh, well, maybe my embarrassing tell would be that uh, it gave me an idea of, like, what it would be like if Sarah Michelle Gellar hug- hugged me, a fat man, and rest her head <laughs> on my uh, man chest, I guess. Was man like- chest. Because <laughs> yep. I got my own sumo suit that I'm just wearing naturally. But- <laughs>
3: Oh. I don't know how to feel about that <laughs> That's...
0: Uh, Interesting. Interesting stuff. Uh... I... Did, yeah. We could get into that a little bit. I've, I sometimes feel like I have, like, a weird bo- a body dysphoria where I describe my own body as being a fat suit. And they're like, no, it's, it's actually your body. It's <laughs> not a suit you're wearing. You know? Uh, um...
3: So, uh... <laughs> John yeah you're both you're both extremely handsome guys (laughs) please stop it we'll we'll do positive affirmations throughout the
2: whole show so is
3: this not the fat shaming podcast I thought I was on I I have to let me
2: get on that (laughs) oh it's a big internet that's probably a thing um so uh okay so I don't know I've never been a doctor but Ben's a doctor He's going to uh undergrad parties on campus, and he doesn't know anybody there. the only person he knows best is Buffy he needs doesn't know her well enough to actually come there with her. It seems a bit creepy i don't like I don't like Ben's vibe at this party. <laughs> well, I think remember we need a real doctor to na- analyze this remember Ben's like a terrible doctor <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't give good advice, I'm not surprised he's acting in a really Bizarre. I wasn't sure he was a
1: doctor, or just like a nurse, or like working through college. As
0: they've been defining him as intern, which intern, I assume yeah. means he's like at the beginning of his
3: residency. Yeah. Uh, so he's so a so how, how up doctor. old would he be?
2: Um, roughly he could be twenty-seven. Yeah, that's too 20. old to be hanging out at the at the party that's being held in the lobby of the dorm.
0: To be fair, yeah. the entire
1: main cast look too old for that
2: party. Now. <laughs> that's true. That's, and that's Spike is
1: there, true. and he's hundreds of years old. So you know,
2: <laughs> yeah. But Spike is creepy overtly. Yeah. Um, so uh, just that party in general is just a kind of a weird vibe because it's like it, it's it's at the dorm in the lobby. Yeah, and they've got beer. They've got a keg. They also have a, like a cooler full of Red Bull which is gross. That's just, I mean, I mean, that is a thing you would have at a college party probably, but it's, yeah. just, it's just gross. College On my gross. college
0: campus, the Red Bull car would drive in a lot and like oh, yeah. give undergrads like just gross. can after can of Red Bull. Yeah, that's that's gross. <laughs> and they hired like the attractive woman to be like passing I it remember that, I that, yeah.
2: Um, and then there's also like a tiki theme to all of this. Which, yeah. Uh, I there's mean, it doesn't limbo. read as false or anything. It's just, it's just college is gross. <laughs> it's just weird to me that they're... <laughs>
0: They're, this show still has the remnants of like this is the second year of college. Yeah. Like,
1: it's- <laughs> Did you see the giant like punch bowl that like you could drown in that was yes. like a clamshell or whatever? Like,
3: it, it's like they just threw us a bunch of leftover props at the Fox Television Studios, <laughs> and they're like, our right, pilot for Tiki didn't go through. Guys, we need to we need to tread carefully. Mike's already talked to us about the changes to his local Tiki Bar. In, uh-huh. right. <laughs> no, I'm not. Thank you. I'm. I'm gonna avoid that stream of consciousness. It's, it's all right. You're <laughs> I'm safe. I'm sorry.
2: I made fun of you for that.
3: <laughs> but there's strange drinks going on at Angel at the same time. Like in the episode of Blood Money, I just watched. You know, they're hanging out. Uh, you know, like Gun uh, Cordelia and Wesley drinking Steel Reserve, and it's just like an odd <laughs> scene. All right. Uh, intense close up of Chex
0: Mix. Like <laughs> every time I watch this episode, that shot like really like bothers me because i'm like why does it exist uh it was like
1: product placement or something almost if there was a box it feels like
0: like the shot that that you would only have this close-up for a really specific reason like if later in the show april gets like shoved through a fine mesh that looks like that or something
1: (laughs) i may know a reason I i don't know if anyone else listened to the commentary i have some notes on the commentary later but the writer for the episode said that like that the scene for the party the music's really loud so it's hard to hear some of the lines of dialogue so like they were worried that um Anya's line about like how the Chex Mix is made was like getting lost so they needed a close-up maybe just just to show what it looked like so it connected
0: it just looked like a shot from a different
2: show it was like (laughs) (laughs) Chex Mix the hunger slayer (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I mean Chesmix is a
2: quality product. I don't blame them for giving it like a, a showcase. Hand woven,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh
0: let's talk about Ben's flirting style.
2: Uh so I just noticed this like weird, like I feel like Buffy's kind of recycling the dialogue a little bit. So uh in this episode, Ben says, you know, I just really like coffee. I think coffee might be worth it. And I'd like to get to know coffee better. And this is just a complete rehash of Buffy trying to flirt in uh, the episode uh, Faith, Hope and Trick in season three. Uh, she says, come to think of it, I don't think I've given a fair chance to Buster Keaton. I like what I've seen of him so far. And so she does. It's the exact same flirting. Keaton is key. It's funny you bring that up
0: because like in this episode, Buffy like erases Scott from existence. Cause she's <laughs> like, I've had exactly two boyfriends, which is like, obviously she's talking about Riley and Angel. She erases Scott
2: I mean, was Scott ever really a boyfriend, though? I feel like they went out, like, once.
0: Yeah, fine. Uh, also, I think Buffy is stealing her own flirting style from Reptile, or uh, I think it's actually uh, Cordelia. Cordelia's flirting style, yeah, from Reptile Boy. Where she's like, the boys like the laughing. ha, ha, ha. Yeah, that's an amazing callback. it is um i really like uh that april just immediately fails the turing test
2: <laughs> everyone's yeah it's just like she's a robot yeah she's a robot yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good joke <laughs>
3: um i guess this is probably a prediction related question but did the bronze just get damaged by april
2: is the bronze in this episode uh, did you mean the dorm or the party? yeah they're in the dorm room yeah, they're that, never at the bronze? There is no bronze in this entire episode, Michael. Oh
3: my gosh, I just made that the bronze in my mind.
2: There's the bronze, and they're also briefly at the espresso pump.
3: <laughs> All right, never mind. It was not damaged. I'm Sorry, not just the bronze, humans, but the, yeah,
2: the dorm and the espresso pump.
3: Um, so I, I, I read that you, the I'm sorry, just you said that she failed the Turing test. It also looks like she fails the Bechdel test <laughs> as well. <laughs>
2: Yeah,
1: it's
3: very true. I mean, she literally talks about nothing she's besides yeah.
0: failing all war. kinds of tests here.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. I guess I was more thinking of uh, the Asimov like rule of robotics of like you know not to not harm humans or oh, whatever. Yeah, she's
2: way she's way off of that one as well. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know what? Nobody nobody builds robots that obey the uh, Asimov's rules anymore. It's disappointing.
1: Um, so Xander mentions, as Dennis pointed out in his quote, that he's got this uncle that's a plumber, Dave the plumber. And I think you should go into business with him because, you know, construction, plumbing, mm-hmm. they just need a, another relative that's like an electrician and they could just like build houses full, all together.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's doing all right, though. Have you seen his apartment?
1: Yeah, with his trash stuff that he has in there, as you yeah. described. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: so here's a fun zoom in and enhance. If you look at the, uh, At the magic box, there's this weird stained glass window. It's the uh, first uh, image I have down there in the document. Bottom left, in memory of James and Isabel Morrison by their daughter, Mary. And the stained glass window is uh, some weird iconography of a ladder with a ribbon and a spear crossed with a spear with a brain on it, as far as I can tell. Or possibly a butt. It looks like a nib to me. Not a spear. Okay. I could be wrong. But the other one is definitely like a brain impaled on a shish kebab skewer. Interesting. Or possibly just like a disembodied butt. Maybe they were a writer.
0: It's like the pen on the brain.
2: Yeah, I just, I, I, my theory is that the set dressers like got this at like an antique store or something. It is I thought that was
1: a paint roller, not a brain. I guess maybe I was not looking at it close enough. A paint roller? Like, you oh. know, a thing to
2: roll. Yeah, I just don't, it doesn't look like that to me it's definitely got um a
3: crevice in the middle that could either be a cheek dennis dennis can you can you can you draw this and then tweet it out and find out what the world thinks this this thing is yeah we could do Or that. screenshot it this will go up screenshot on Twitter, would be
1: yeah. easier probably
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah screenshot
1: all right now that we're done with brains i guess we can go on to other brains uh Warren made a functioning AI and like a robot with all the internal robot next stuff in 2000 or 2001. Like, he needs to patent some of that technology. Like, but again, money. Maybe that's my only focus on this episode. Like, Xander should be doing this business. Warren should be doing this business. Like, there's a lot of
3: businesses that should I, be done. I,
2: I think you'll find that uh, DARPA actually had functioning AI as early as like the 1960s.
3: So you think Warren just stole some DARPA code to make his invention?
2: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's just, it's, just, it's just the Ted clone. Everything
3: about Warren's invention. <laughs> it, is
2: a te- it is just as advanced um,
0: as Ted. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Warren as an inventor is such a mess. <laughs> It's it totally, amazing.
0: He, he appears to have built this in his dorm room for what Warren describes, like he doesn't even have like a on campus yeah. lab or anything,
1: yeah, uh, did he not have a roommate? I mean, I think they would notice that going no
3: on. i th- I think it's like clearly stolen code, like he doesn't know how this code works. It's like oh. when you copy paste code, you know when you're a script kitty, yeah, right, and then you just make a thing and you don't know how it works,
2: yep, it's just like git clone girlfriend robot. <laughs>
3: Oh, I just need the parts. Great. Uh, I don't know where he gets these amazing parts, though, but uh, we're not told my problem.
1: We're told that he built it on his own. Maybe he crowdsourced it with other college students that were also like doing Robotnik studies or whatever. Robotnik? <laughs> Dr. Robotnik? Uh, I don't know.
2: Do is there, uh, is there uh, a, like a dumpster? Worst crossover ever. <laughs>
3: Is there like a special hazardous waste dump at the hospital where it just has human skin and stuff?
2: Yeah, really? (laughs) Uh, I mean, if there was, somebody should have told the uh, mad scientist from uh, season two.
3: It would have saved them a lot of effort. Yeah, they're like, they're like at it really like fucking hacking together, uh, you know, uh, like an old football player really struggling, right? Like to try and animate, you know, their dead friend. Warren's able to casually put something together with old DARPA code. Right, like these great minds need to come together. They're like on the opposite sides of the campus, I guess.
0: Yeah, they were all in high school together. They just didn't communicate.
3: No, everybody has a reason to build either a, a simulation of a person that has died or a fantasy person.
0: How many mad scientists did the Sunnydale class of nineteen ninety nine like put
3: out? They must have had a bomb ass bio teacher. <laughs> yeah super inspirational bio teacher (laughs) who mysteriously disappeared (laughs) (laughs) did the praying mantis lady teach bio yeah Yeah, yeah, but she was a she was a sub though oh because she ate the original one yeah that's where he went the guy that taught them all med science remember because he was really he's starting to reach buffy she was actually Mm going to work on her studies and then he disappeared
1: All right. Uh I guess I have the next really big chunk. I, I just pulled a lot of things from uh, the commentary, as I mentioned. Uh, the writer for this episode was Jane Epsonson, and I just found interesting that she pointed out a few things that were like specifically like Joss Whedon like lines or input. So like sometimes like you know like we kind of attribute like a lot of this show in general to Joss Whedon, but like just to see like specifically like nuggets that were from him. I don't know what it says overall or in general, but. Um, So for the opening, uh, when Xander's in the fat suit, he pitched the line of, now you choose to hug me. Um, And also Buffy's line later, when she's dancing with Xander, this is way better than hanging out with a good looking guy or whatever it is to that extent. So uh, a lot of Xander. uh, And then his idea for the episode in general was let's cast a beautiful woman who everyone realizes is a robot right away, but Warren doesn't know that everyone knows you know so that and that's kind of the stinger for the where he like no i have to tell you you, you might be surprised but she's a robot hmm. and also i guess um all those things that you see point of view from uh, april's robot vision with all the programming codes uh some of those were from joss specifically uh she said like positions 1 through 6 which i anyway <laughs> <laughs>
0: I like that, uh, I guess we'll get into that later, but I like that, uh, she's clearly running on windows. Like, Wait, it's why do you old say that?
2: Folders. Oh, just because of all these old folders, right? Oh, I guess, yeah, it does have that kind of, <laughs> yeah, I guess the, the icons look Windowsy. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, I like that, uh, you called this out, Yoder, as a quote earlier on, but, uh, Giles telling Spike to move on was freaking great. It feels great to hear someone... Be an adult and tell him to stop it. You're not getting to Buffy. Uh, this could have come. This line could have made sense any time during this entire season.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, glad it got said. I mean, especially after Riley's out of the picture. Like any time. Uh, I feel like did Giles say shades of this last season? <laughs> oh well. Yeah, he might have,
0: or he should have, anyway.
3: I feel like when uh, Spike was living in his apartment or living in his house, I feel like Giles might have said something, but uh, clearly it wasn't as uh, super clear about what he wanted.
1: I did think it was kind of harsh extra, though, coming from Giles when Giles was turned into a demon like Xander was like basically or not Xander. God damn it. Spike was like, you know, the only one that could understand him and like kind of helped him redeem himself in that episode.
0: That was a year ago, man.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm just saying. That, they good uh, memories this,
3: too. Yeah.
1: To say like we're not friends, but like when I was a demon, we hung out together. Like, what does that mean?
3: When I was on drugs. Yeah, you're my, you're my you're a bad friend for me. You're my demon friend. You're not my real. Friend. <laughs> uh, so there's a couple scenes where Xander just seems
0: like really off this episode. I'm like, is Xander okay? Like. What do you in mean that by thing? that? I didn't catch oh, that. Like in the in the scene where like Zan, where Giles is like, oh no, I'm just kidding. I'm just went to see Xander score him. And his reaction is just like, uh, funny, charming and funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Usually Xander would be like, oh, I'm gonna quit back or something, but he just has this like, like non reaction to it. Uh, I think huh.
3: he's thinking about robot girlfriend a lot in this episode. Maybe like, that's it. Yeah. yeah, he seems like really unfaithful to Anya in this episode.
2: Yeah, but Anya's okay. She's cool. She's secure. You know, they've moved past that kind of jealousy.
3: Saying you're cool with that and being cool with that are two different things, I feel.
2: Fair point. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yoder? Okay, so um, I don't know. Maybe this should have gone in uh, deep stuff or whatever. But I think that Dawn and April need to have, like, a long talk together, maybe, about, like, what existence means. Because they each have very unique point of views. You know, with uh, April being created as a robot, and Dawn, how she came into existence.
2: Yeah, they both have a sense of, yeah, The they're both struggling with what does it mean to be authentically alive. Yeah. Uh,
0: I just like Buffy and her complete lack of secret identity. When she finds Warren,
2: she's just like, my name is Buffy Summers. You know who I am. Like... <laughs> Yeah, but he—he he was, uh, you know, Sunnydale class of '99, so he does. He yeah. he voted to give her that protector award, probably. I think he did. Yeah. <laughs> she uh,
0: just I swings her name around like it's a big threat, you know. I like
1: it. Um, I don't know if this should have come later, but uh, they so do they just leave April's body on the swing or <laughs> like what?
2: And also, um. <laughs> This, this e-waste problem.
1: <laughs> well, is she dead, or does she just need more a recharged battery, a new battery? Um, and also, is this the first time like Buffy's defeated a villain by just like talking them to death, or like letting right. at least her battery die that way?
2: I mean, she knows yeah. from uh, watching Star Trek that that's how you that's how you defeat an artificial intelligence is you, you give it <laughs> a, uh, you talk to it, you give it a paradox. Or Kelsey Grammer, if you're watching uh, Simpsons, just have him sing
0: like the entire tracked to HMS Pinafore, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is just a TV show. Like, what if that was, like, a six-hour battery life? Because she's, like, just sitting there talking. She's on, like, low operation mode, you know?
0: Yeah, I think at the very end, once her battery dies, Buffy just kicks her head off, right? (laughs) Uh, What is the point of building a sex robot that is that strong? This robot is stronger than Buffy. (laughs)
3: You don't know what he's into. Well, we, I mean,
2: we have some. Position Jason one through clues. six. Yeah. Position one through six. There's, oh, there's also, like fetish. Yeah. yeah. Fetish. <laughs> dot, dot gfd files. There's uh, what else? Praise.gfd, which is that one. That one makes me like my heart hurt a little this bit. This is like an, in, this
3: is like incel. Like this is like <laughs> yeah. predicting incels by 20 years.
2: Yeah. yeah. Totally. totally. Yeah, yeah, I don't I mean, know why he these... needs to be that strong. It seems Well, but also like why did Ted need to be that strong? It's just part of being a robot. Yeah. I guess that's it's just part of being a robot. But Ooh. Ted being that strong makes
0: sense because it's Ted's evil plan. Like I think this just speaks to what we were talking about earlier of like Warren built this thing that he doesn't really comprehend. Like right. he probably did not know he built that strong a it robot. Probably he probably never... is Ted.
2: He probably just found <laughs> Ted after like Ted was decommissioned oh, no. and just like reskinned it. Like
1: um, I was imagining like a spinoff show where it's like Ted is like April's dad or something and they're like, you
2: know. It was like a, it's like a reverse small wonder where everybody in the family is a robot except one of them. <laughs> and they just got this closet full of humans they've kidnapped and killed. <laughs> How's your
1: new boyfriend? Or, Weak. Or like, are all Whedon shows in the same universe? Because uh, like, did Warren go on to create Dollhouse? Like, you know, like all the, the robotic dolls
2: on that show warren went on to create the show dollhouse okay because <laughs> he's an evil scientist he's, he's the showrunner warren show. is
0: a big fan of dollhouse
1: <laughs> so that show exists before buffy in the buffy universe I
0: he's like i don't get the problem people have with the show it's perfect
3: <laughs> so uh yeah i think i may have brought up guy DeLisle's doll before but man that that like comic book from 30 years ago whatever has like amazing insight into this kind of thing where someone creates a they call it a doll they don't imply a lot of circuitry like this one but like a sex doll and like what the meaning behind that is i feel like they get into just like the level one of kind of what a sex doll is in this kind of episode which is like everyone's very attracted to it everybody wants to be with it you know but they're not like going for it and having people try and like take it away, you know, like no one's trying to claim this sex robot for themselves really in this episode, which is well, kind of the Spike guy Delisle like problem. Oh, go ahead, sorry.
1: Spike kind of hits on her though.
2: Yeah,
3: but he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, so does Xander sort of, and so does uh, Willow. Everybody but they don't sort of. Actually,
2: hits. like everybody, like once they like get what's going on, like basically everybody thinks it's creepy. Like nobody, it's this. It's which is maybe more realistic, right? Because like, like, what's your opinion of people who have sex dolls? Like, probably not very high. Like, even if you have a live and let live, like you know, let them do what they want attitude, it's probably still. But it is,
1: I guess, rather respectful of all the citizens in Sunnydale that they're just like, oh, this is someone else's sex robot. I'm not (laughs) do anything to this sex robot. Uh, I
2: would be wrong.
3: Is that Um, your point, Michael? Or uh, I mean sort of i feel like the the point from guy Delisle's doll is like they go past this point very quickly of like hey this thing's really sexy and now i want it and now the you know what happens after that versus you know this is very superficial in how far it goes with like what the meaning i mean it doesn't care about the sex part it doesn't care about the sex doll and attractiveness and like the misogyny of the male point of view right it's more like uh, yeah, like you just said, like it's somebody else's sex doll. Excuse me. I made a mistake. Uh, it's it's like more comical and fun, but it's just it's interesting to see a, a variation on that. And I want to I'm excited to talk more about this in deep themes, because like this is such an awesome topic to play with. And then for it to like, you know, power down so quickly. <laughs> And then even the Warren character creating like a Frankenstein. I mean, not a Frankenstein, but creating a sex doll that's like too powerful for him to understand (laughs) is kind of amazing and like a good metaphor for sex in general, like trying to control sex. But uh, we can let's get into it in a bit. This episode also has a couple other overwhelming things going on in it. What? I think (laughs) we'll talk about later, I guess.
1: Um. So I think it's when uh, Buffy's talking to Xander while Xander's fixing the window and describing all his carpentry skills, but she's wearing a scarf. And you guys had a prediction earlier, or not a prediction, but like just kind of a general topic about when Riley was wearing the turtleneck. So I'm like, my theory is like, was was Buffy bitten by a vampire and we just didn't see it somewhere like, in this episode? Yeah, a
0: lot of other stuff happened this week that wasn't robot related. I just didn't get to tell talk about it.
1: Yeah, we just didn't get screen time for that, so...
0: Yeah, I think whenever anyone's wearing a scarf, it's because of the vampire.
1: Maybe her already existing bites were, like, starting to, like, seep or, like, you know, like, you know, they got infected or something.
3: That's really gross. I'm sorry. (laughs) uh, (laughs) No, it's it's like the passion of the vampire, you know, like, it's like a miracle, like, her bite marks will just bleed on their own, right? Uh.
0: Mike, do you want to say your last thing?
3: Or? Oh, sure. Since we're not going to talk about it this week, probably. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Uh, this is the most haunting ending to a Buffy episode that we've seen, and uh, totally floored by that choice. I mean, I I mostly rewatched that section a couple of times because I couldn't believe the choice, and emotionally, really puts you in the position of what it might be like to find, you know, someone you love dead, which is just like, oh. It's just this quiet room and then a person is dead in it. And uh, this is really haunting and uh, excellent presentation. You know, I've never actually come across a, a dead body. Plenty of dead animals, though. Um, and that kind of vibe is totally where you're at. So that was, that was amazingly well done. That's a great emotional gift to the audience. And painful.
2: Yeah, I, I freaked out uh, and uh, I cried a little this time. Mm. At like that one because I I knew it was coming it didn't 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 lessen the impact at all. That is a, so that you is guys, a rough bit of so film.
1: There's a scene after Spike goes to get a robot made of Buffy. Is that what? Yes. Saying? I stopped watching. I was like, that's the end, right? That's the. <laughs> Did the <best> you really? <laughs> adventure? No, I'm, oh, I'm okay. just. <laughs> <funny. Sorry. laughs> I was <laughs> just trying to. <laughs> do- it's a, it's such a ser- like a heavy like you say, moment um, that I guess, and I remember this episode with that punch, but um, there's also a lot of fun with all the other stuff that happens before it. And I think this is like, um, it's like a callback almost to like a season three episode or something where like, uh, you know, it's mostly just wacky hijinks for the most part.
2: Yeah. It's it's certainly, it's definitely the contrast that makes it uh, effective. Where you, you, um, you know, you spend the entire episode watching one kind of thing and all of a sudden the genre just like changes instantly. Uh, it's so much more effective. Like, uh, uh, I just watched, uh, the new Tarantino film and it has a moment like that where it's like the genre of the film changes suddenly (laughs) and it's way more effective than if the entire movie had been like that without any more spoilers than that.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, let's do questions for the group. Questions for the group.
2: Okay, um, so Buffy describes herself uh, in a self-deprecating moment as having alarming strength and remarkable self-involvement. And I was curious, because that to me didn't read as entirely true. I, I don't, you don't think, think she of Buffy has alarming strength? she certainly has alarming strength i don't feel like she i wouldn't describe buffy as self-involved that's not the that's the not the term i would use to describe her i was wondering if you guys read that any differently um
0: i mean i think she's also defining self-involvement as like involved in saving the world a lot right
1: (laughs) and is this like really a flaw that she sees herself as having or is this just like this is what Riley kind of thrust on her of saying like, Hey, Uh, this is your problem. You're not letting me in to be supportive for you. Right. It's like, well, dude, I let you in more than like, you know, I would have before with anyone else. So like, maybe it's not on her.
2: Yeah, that's good. I mean, I I think that's
3: really smart. I really like that read, David. That's cool.
0: I think she is used to being the main character in her own show, which is right. A form Kind of self-involvement, but right? it, yeah,
2: but it's not, I mean, again, I wouldn't use that term. I like, she's, uh, she's got a lot of shit to deal with and she deals with it. And, but, uh, self-involvement, certainly not to the, uh, at the expense of caring about or taking care of other people. Cause she's, she does a lot of <coughs> taking care of other people, Yeah, uh, particularly her family this season. So like, I, uh, yeah, it, it's, it struck me as a little bit, uh, odd. Cause I, f- I feel like, you know, I'm all for being self-deprecating, uh, as a way of just, you know, communicating with other people. But uh, that seemed a bit strange to me.
3: Yeah,
0: no, we're I think we're all on side Buffy over over Buffy's own opinions of herself.
3: <laughs> Come on, Buff. <laughs> I like that she would have taken Riley's opinion of her as her opinion of herself. I think yeah. that it frequently happens when you get a judgment from someone else about what your behavior is. And you're mm-hmm. you're like, yeah. I guess that's who I am. <laughs> Sure, stupid middle managers of the world,
2: stop it! (laughs) Middle managers, boyfriends are like the middle managers of your heart. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, my boyfriend went to Six Sigma. Like the middle
1: management of your heart, like that should.
3: (laughs) That should. I mean, that's that's its own show. That's such a powerful (laughs) message.
0: Uh Mike, you got the next question. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah um I'm gonna get, get some attention right now. So hold on a minute. But uh yeah. Okay, so okay. you magically get or create a beautiful whatever your type is, robot girlfriend or boyfriend. Um how long do you keep said robot friend?
0: I think there's so much sunk cost into creating or buying a robot, like you definitely gotta make that worth the investment, right?
3: Like Okay. So are, are you saying you have to amortize this over a long period of time? Amor means love. Amor means love. So amortize this over many years.
0: I'm just saying, it seems like an incredibly, incredible waste of your time and money and intelligence if you're building this, if you yes. just are like, so
1: you wouldn't just leave it in a dorm room without breaking up with it? Is that what you're saying, Dennis? You want to just walk but, away from it?
3: I, I got a, I got a different take on this. All right, let's be real. The world's going to end in like 20 years, right? Let's get real. All right, you want to keep this robot? I mean, as, as long as we know as it, I, I don't. I I disagree with the world's going to end thing. I think society. society I, I think there's an alarming chance for extinction within a hundred years, etc. Disagree. So, I think you keep this robot, girlfriend, boyfriend, for as long as friggin' possible. They can chop wood. They can fish for you. They can dive to the bottom of the ocean. They can carry you on their back. I think there's a lot of practical purposes outside of that situation. Do you think that in the post apocalypse
0: or like post society, you're gonna be able to charge this robot? Well, it's well, probably
1: the same it, as like an, char- an electric car charging station, right? You just like.
3: Do you think those are gonna be <laughs> operational? No, no. This oh. thing probably runs on nuclear power. For all we know, <laughs> oh this yeah, is a it's nuclear probably power got a nuclear robot.
2: core. In fact, yeah. I think there's a prediction about that. I think yeah. that's
3: Terminator you're talking about. <laughs>
2: she obviously is
3: charged with batteries. <laughs> well, you get you get working on a battery solution. There's solar charging panels. And, I mean, you keep this thing for as long as friggin' possible because it's it's your it's your che- it's your one chess piece in the apocalypse, people. <laughs>
2: That is not the read that I would have thought anyone would have uh, on this. Yeah, question. I wasn't
3: really asking for the prepper scenario where <laughs> this becomes your robo assistant um, carrying out your tasks. Uh, I like how we're uh, all that's
0: just a, straight up ignoring I, what the intention of this question is. <laughs> just...
3: By the way, I love that as a young adult novel. Um, I think it's a great premise of someone using a robot sex assistant to uh, chop wood and <laughs> find fish. I mean, I think the, young, the young adult novel would be that you find a sex robot as like, a, 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 like an early teenager and you don't have sex with it for many years as it accompanies you throughout the wilderness. And then after it's helped you for many years, then you develop a sexual relationship with the robot. I
2: think that would be much, much weirder. I, I think the really sad answer is that you all this wouldn't be a problem because you already wouldn't be running your sex robot 24 hours a day. Right. Like you would need your sex robot. You know, max three four hours a day, and you'd turn it off. Three four hours. Oh, wow. I'm just saying because, like, you know, I mean, not, not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, not that I'm sting over here. My point is that, like, you know, it runs other files. There's also the the, the back rubs file and the praise file. You know, like, there's a lot of things going on beyond. Yes, uh, two hours and forty five minutes of
3: insulting me to my face, and then fifteen minutes for makeup.
2: Yeah, you know, like, I'm just saying there's you probably if you had a lot a of thing, screen time you would turn it off when you went to work to begin with so i don't think that that this idea of it running all day long pining for you when you're not at when you're not in your dorm room i don't mm-hmm. think that would actually happen there's which is no I more i realize it's more brutal it's like oh, it's yeah, more brutal true. than even than like even what warren is is what i'm saying is that like you know it's like well i'm going to work time to uh <laughs> you know turn you off and uh send you into an unknown oblivion of non non-existence for a few hours. <laughs> Like, that Do would sex
1: robots dream of electric sheep? That's uh, the real question.
2: That is the question.
0: Uh, so I think it's important to build a sex robot that has an off button. Uh,
2: data <laughs> so. has an off switch, guys. Like if data has an off switch, surely your sex bot should have one.
1: So if we're like actually answering this question, the first thing that popped in my head, Michael, was just that like um, – like I as soon as like like the, there's a difference that I can't get over, like she's like not a fan of The Simpsons or something. I'm like, well, what what's the point of like? <laughs> <laughs> you built this robot in the scenario. She's chastising me for reading comic books. Well, I don't know. I don't. I I don't think I would be able to build a robot. That's not. An, <laughs> if I, I, mean, built I a robot, I would not touch it because like I like know my own crafting abilities and like <laughs> it just. <laughs>
2: Okay, Robots well, held me- together with chewing gum and tape—it's just going to fall apart. Yeah, mostly tape. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's a lot of
0: exposed wires in that interior. <laughs> okay, well,
2: right
3: I, I'm gonna—I'm just gonna go there for a minute with it. So, I think the answer is for me, and it doesn't have to be answer for you. It's like there's a moment before you get caught with it, or before it becomes a part of your identity, and that moment is probably like that's this like that's that's the moment that people really want, is that one moment with this thing, and is it great? Is it, you know, what is that experience defined like? And if it's a sexual replacement for a partner, then it's like, well, how long do you do this while other people are, until people become aware of it? Because I think you'd want to hide this for as long as possible, because you don't know really you judge for it. right And then if you get to the judgment phase, then it's like, do are you capable of being a person that also has a sex robot, and then has regular friendships, relationships? Because I think that then the challenge is, if people are aware that there is this amazing sex robot that you have for some reason, <laughs> do people try to steal this robot from you, or do they leave you alone? I mean, because you're judged by society regardless for that decision, so it's so
1: like and then what, so strong, Right. What? That's why April's so strong to fight off all the people that would <laughs> potentially steal her. I guess. Yeah. I, I guess mean, there is, yeah, is but, a
2: whole section of her programming which is defend Warren.
3: Right. I guess they've made the decision that she's programmed to be with him so there's no way you can deprogram that so that's just the story so i guess if it's programmed to be with you then it's creepier because yeah how do you turn that off uh when you don't want it on and have a relationship which warren is unable to do because <laughs> he also doesn't learn social skills oh man warren
1: yeah he does tell his girlfriend
3: his human girlfriend
1: just to like shut up you know or whatever like oh, yeah. when she's like asking questions <laughs> yeah. um
2: she is too good for him by a country mile. Like. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. So, Michael, you want to
1: like, introduce your robot girlfriend to all your friends, though? I mean, that's kind of rude. Like, you want to imagine that please, scenario?
3: Please don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think the question you're not asking yourselves is, is the robot boyfriend girlfriend, are they annoying? Right? Because you're like, oh, somebody finds out you've got a robot girlfriend or boyfriend. They're going to think less of you. I'm mean, like, the world is crazy right now. Do you know how many worse things someone could find out about you <laughs> or that you could post on social media? I think having a robot boyfriend and girlfriend is not would not be that bad. But like the, the deal breaker always is, you know, is, is that like, you know, with your friends is, is that person annoying or not annoying to your friends, right? Whenever you have like a new girlfriend or boyfriend, they're like, do they like him or her? Right? That's that so would that, that's my that deal breaker. How advanced on? is their
0: conversation programming? Can they be on our podcast? <laughs>
2: that's yeah. true. Let's build a podcast robot.
3: <laughs> podcast robot, I guess, is just the amalgamation of uh random people that have been on the podcast and the and the four of us, and then that uh just produces a comment related to Buffy like randomly. <laughs> Well they've
1: made like AIs that like write like screenplays or like different mm-hmm. like shows and things like I'm surprised no one's like taken podcasts and been like, okay, AI, make a podcast for like said <laughs> show or something. Have like a John, okay, this episode. we should
3: we should definitely do this. We should do the AI script for a podcast bot and then just like trigger it and, like if there's a quiet moment.
1: Uh Yoder, you got a question. I do. Uh okay, so uh Dawn and Giles, their boy talk. What what's that like? And also, uh, I I would like to see a possible fanfic of Buffy and Joyce and Giles, like all and Dawn as well. Like just throw Giles in the mix of any boy talk. That's what I want to see.
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, I supposedly she's going to be talking about how her crush on Xander was superseded by her crush on Spike, which is superseded by Spike being terrible. And then Giles has to be like, "Yes, yes, he is." Yes. I hope
1: Giles is like, don't get a crush on me. I'm an adult. Leave me alone.
0: <laughs> I mean, I assume Don knows people outside of this show. She go does go to
2: school and stuff.
0: Right? Yes. Hopefully she has some age-appropriate crushes. Well, what
2: what I, trip I, did they go on, John? Didn't that's they go right, on? Some they trip? went on a on a trip to Mexico in uh, for Spanish class. So uh, you know, who knows what happened? You know, what, what happens in Mexico happens in Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's muy picante. Uh, so I have a question. And uh, so everybody look, put your eye to the camera, and uh, time is part of, uh, your, your time is part of this, so be quick. While walking along in the desert sand, you suddenly look down and see a tortoise crawling towards you. You reach down and flip it over onto its back. The tortoise lies there, it is its belly baking in the hot sun, beating its legs, trying to turn itself over but I cannot do so without your help. You are not helping. Why?
1: <laughs> Time is a factor. <laughs> Time is a factor in our answer? Or, yes. You are uh, hungry. You want to eat the tortoise. I was going to say I'm letting the turtle get in a suntan on its belly, I guess.
0: Uh, you have all failed the voight test. Uh, Why would or... I turn over a turtle and be so cool? Like, that doesn't... <laughs> I think John is the only one who gets my joke. <laughs> it's from Blade Runner, you guys. <laughs> yeah, oh. it's just the test to see if you're, uh, you know, a robot. What, um, what's the answer? What's how the, answer answer the answer?
3: You you have to be an empathetic yeah. uh, person and not they, let this happen. This is abnormal. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but if you're oh. like
0: acting too empathetic, then you're also
2: right. Like,
3: <laughs> so yeah, was, I not, was I not empathetic enough, or I wasn't very empathetic? I was just no, like, you, you s- need to eat the turtle. <laughs> the proper proper reaction? We just start crying. <laughs> 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 Only then can can Dennis know you're human.
0: It's yeah. The oh tests to prove you're human are actually like really hard to pass. Like because you're, you know, because robots are smart. Oh uh, man, Dennis, are we really going to do this next question? No, that's just another of the Voicamp t- tests. Okay, So <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: just really intense. <laughs> I think by we'll being intimidated next. by it, you pass. You're a human. Yeah. Do it, you know it next me week. Only to tell you about my mother.
3: <laughs> we'll do it next week. Great, that's the perfect episode for, to talk about that.
0: Uh, so let's uh, move on to themes of deep stuff.
3: Deep stuff.
2: So, um, here's my, qu- I, have, I have some questions here. Uh, I think one of the things that the show asks is like, uh, what are the ethics of building a sex bot? Uh, th- there's, there's a sense that we feel a lot of sympathy for April because she was, uh, constructed only to serve someone. And then she has her whole you know, reason for being removed when she can't do that anymore. Um, but you know, setting aside the possibility that she may actually have some kind of consciousness or internal life, uh, is it, do you think it's, uh, like, do you think that there should be an ethics around how we treat robots?
0: Uh, I think that's an interesting question, John, because I was, I was going to bring up with this question, like, are we talking about creating a AI with actual consciousness or not. Right. And like by failing the Turing test, April shows she doesn't have consciousness, but that's assuming that the Turing test is actually a measure of consciousness, right. which it seems to be proving it's not as like, we get less theoretical and more into to real world.
2: But do you think like, I, I think there's a question even like, even by the fact that like April is in human shape and talks and sort of you know, even though she's not, she's obviously not a person, does it degrade us to treat her badly? Even if she's not capable of suffering, are we less moral just by treating this human analog badly? Does that like, does that do something bad to us? Even if she's like, and I guess it's sort of a similar question is like, does it do something to you to play violent video games all day long? Um, to sort of like treat human analogs badly.
0: Yeah, I was also thinking, like, this is a video game question also. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's interesting because I'd, I'd say, personally, I feel like it's a test that if you're cruel to a robot, you're a cruel person. But I'm also of the camp of, like, video games do not cause violence. Right. Um, but I I also think there's something deeply human about, um, <laughs> like, uh, having periods in your life or at times where you need... To act violently and it's better to do that in a safe escapist fashion like a video game uh than to a real person or, or to a real animal um and i don't think that makes you a bad person to have these <laughs> feelings you want to express uh it's it's better to find a healthy way to do
1: it right right yeah, i think the uh, greater danger is not seeing a difference maybe or like having it like lead to being like well since like killing someone in a video game is okay. Now I'm going to go do that. I mean, like that's not how people usually think though. But, no, like, yeah.
2: um, but I but guess I also, I'm also
0: <laughs> one of those people who there's that telltale games, uh, walking dead. And I've been killed by the first zombie multiple times. Cause I try to hit it in the head as little as possible to not scare the girl I'm protecting. Uh,
1: <laughs> You're like, <laughs> oh so, so poor zombie.
0: No, it's just like, I don't want to, well, not the zombie, but I don't want to freak out this, other character,
3: yeah. too Much so, yeah. I don't know where
0: it is, You know,
3: uh. I think there's a couple different things you're asking there, John. I think number one, I think every, you know, video game violence does not translate to real world gun violence. So right. we are U.S. based. We need gun control. So there's no no proof that the video game violence will lead to gun violence. But I think you bring up this sex bot. There's two things. One, what do you how you treat something that is indistinguishable from being alive, even though they're a robot. But it's, if it's indistinguishably visually from life, I think there's one way to treat that. Um, two, it's interesting when you create a sex bot because that purpose is to um, interact in a bot, bi- to, to fulfill a biological life function, versus if you created a robot that didn't was not for a specific life cycle function, like you create a robot that just painted or a robot that just, you know, was an astronomer or something like that. I think that's like a different maybe different ethics would come under that, you know? And, uh, so I think there's a couple different things there, but yeah, I think, um, I I think if you harmed a robot that would look indistinguishable from a human, I think that would uh, reflect poorly on you. Okay. Even if you knew it was a robot.
2: I a follow-up question. Uh, in this episode, Spike asks Warren to build uh, a a robot in the image of Buffy. Right. And we don't see uh, where that goes yet, but, um, what are the ethics of that? So like, do we, is there, um, is there, is the, does it change the map a little bit from everything we just talked about if it's an, in the image of a real person? So like if I create a replica or an image, even if it's a photograph of a person I know of a real person, and then I treat the photograph badly, like I burn it in effigy or I, uh, I don't know. Yeah, is there, <laughs> I don't know. Is there, I'm just saying, is there violence in that? Like if I treat an image of a real person badly, even if that person never finds out that feels wrong, like just like subjectively, like that mm-hmm. feels wrong to me, but I have a hard time necessarily thinking about why, like, you know, spike why, arguably why, I mean, just, to, just to echo your like thing about video games, Dennis, like arguably spike has may have found here. Someone could say, a healthy outlet for his creepy obsession. And then if he can leave Buffy alone, if this works so he can leave Buffy alone, that might be a net good. On the other hand, it feels to me, it just feels so wrong. It feels absolutely creepy and terrible. Yeah. Well, I think, um, one thing private citizens should have
0: is a right to their own image. Right. Uh, and that's something tech companies make you sign away your rights to, Right. When you like sign up to Facebook or something like they any image you post, they have some sort of like right to spread or to use. Um, but the reason like we have to even sign that way is because ethically it feels like we should have some form of ownership over our own image and uh, say over what our image is used for. Right. Uh, that's the ethic argument about like CGIing dead celebrities to like, you know be holograms or to be on like commercials or whatever. Um, so there, there, I think there is, there is definitely some, uh, expectation of privacy of your own image. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I
3: think there's, there's uh, that created in someone else's image, I think would is wrong. What were you
2: about to I, say? I mean, I'm sorry.
3: <clears throat> no, I mean, I agree that with what Dennis just said, yes, I think we should all own our own image. I think that was really well stated. It's perfect uh, but Buffy, you know create so there's a couple things right with the sex robot, right So first of all, is it wrong for Spike to have a a, a, a bot or like a robot that fulfills sexual function? No, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I'm okay with spike having some kind of fulfillment. Is it okay then if it looks like Buffy it looks like someone he knows. Um, I think everyone's answer is generally no because that person has a right to the, like their own image but you know spike was creating you know his own version of that before it just was very sloppy right so like i don't i don't think it does buffy any harm now if spike were then to sell those robots then like that that would be a serious tr- you know tr- and that'd be super fucked up i think to create a version of someone to have sex with um there's nothing wrong with it i mean it feels icky like it's gross and emotionally repulsive but it's not like it's not wrong I mean, if that person discovers it and they're, you know, aghast, don't be friends with you. Guess what? No one wants to be friends with Spike anyway. There's no social (laughs) consequences for him doing the most fucked up thing you can imagine because no one cares about him. Uh, Now, for Warren to do that, then Warren is uh, giving this creep what he wants, probably under the implicit, you know, threat of death or violence. So, like, I think Warren has to create it or he's going to be messed with. So I think Warren's under duress. You can't, he's not responsible for the thing that, you know, Spike ultimately gets. It's a, That's a Spike problem. But like, yes, it's gross. And that would totally fuck up your friendships, but no one cares in those cases. So it's like, yes, you can make a sexual replica of someone, but there will be consequences that are unknown social consequences. If you sell that shit, though, you should go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: Only private sex bots.
3: Yeah. Of whatever you want. I mean, it could be a centaur. It could be a celebrity. It doesn't matter. Oh, that's but if true. You sell it. As
2: soon as this, day, the day after this technology hits, like the the very next day is going to be centaurs. <laughs> Somebody's <gonna wanna> <laughs> going to want to build. I'm going to centaur, centaur but not man. to fuck. I just want a centaur. <laughs> like.
1: I'm, like That'd be awesome. That would be a good friend to watch Simpsons with and maybe clean up my apartment some when I'm at work or something like
2: I I I Oh yeah. I'm just saying that because I was recently uh reading uh a, a, you know s- scrolling through a bunch of uh, fan fiction and uh, I came across a bunch of like uh centaur AU for Kirk and Spock.
1: <laughs> not not even a centaur, <laughs> enough, uh
2: Sorry. Who's the? Are but, they both centaurs or is it just oh yeah, one they're of They're both them? centaurs,
3: yeah. Oh, weird. I prefer where only one is a centaur.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It seems worse. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, well, who am I, who am I to judge? I didn't read it, so it may be, it may be brilliant literature. I don't know. I was going to say I want a
1: Mr. Tumnus, but then I realized like maybe I would eventually become attracted to Mr. Tumnus <laughs> and that
0: would
1: lead to bad places. So. <laughs> Just revealing a lot about myself here on this uh, sex robot podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Let's move on to the next uh, entry in our themes and deep stuff.
1: So I just think it's a weird lesson that Buffy is supposed to learn from April that like she doesn't need to rely on a man. Um, Like and the the writer in the commentary kind of said like that's the journey that she's on in this episode, too. So it's not just my reading of it. Um, but it's like it's, I just don't think she really, you know, entrusted Riley much with emotional support anyway. It's like she's pretty independent. She has her friends and her family for support. It's like, does she she doesn't need a boy? Like
0: Yeah, it seems like a lesson she's already learned by this point in the show, but I don't know. Like, Sometimes does, you gotta relearn lessons, I guess.
1: It does maybe make sense if she's like kind of on a negative spiral on herself just because like it's a post-breakup and like this person chose to left me what's wrong with me. But like, that's never really stated as like what she's analyzing, you know what I mean? And, and she maybe gets to tell April all the things she wanted to hear, um, you know, retroactively, like after the breakup that it's like, you know, everything.
2: Yeah. And I, I think there's 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 some symbolism in watching April sort of die. It's that, that part of Buffy is maybe kind of like part of Buffy that's just waiting for Riley, is maybe dying too. Ah, nice,
0: John. Yeah, it just it it to me it really feels like a earlier version of Buffy that we've already like Buffy's already moved past, but
2: you know people backslide, I guess. Yeah. Well, and it's like Buffy gets it, like Buffy. That's why Buffy's like sympathetic, like she understands that, like the. You know, the, the way that relationships can sometimes make your sense of self sort of contingent. Um, and she immediately gets that and, and empathizes with it. But Maybe also it like punches it in the face.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it could also just be that like a basic TV trope that like to have a fully fulfilled life, you need to be in a relationship with a, someone like have a partner in that sense. Yeah. Like, you know, you're a weirdo if you're out there on your own or something.
0: Yeah, which is, like, almost some very weird shade, like, Tara is throwing this episode, which almost feels out of character for her to be, like, isn't it sad when somebody can't find somebody? Like,
2: like come on. Yeah, that feels like they didn't know who to give that line to, maybe.
0: Yeah. Uh, John... What's this link to ethics and STEM?
2: Oh, I just I just thought, I was thinking about this while we were talking. Um, this is really I just read th- read this article. This uh, mathematician uh, Hannah Fry, who I know from YouTube. She is on the YouTube channel Numberphile, which if you like uh, learning about math in a YouTube way, where you don't actually have to do anything, you just listen to people talk about math in a you know sort of excited way. Uh, anyway, she's on that YouTube channel a lot, and she's really really uh, she's great. Um, but she is uh, recently sort of uh, started publicly advocating for this idea that, um, just like doctors, mathematicians and scientists and computer engineers should, uh, start taking some version of the Hippocratic oath. And just maybe think about, uh, how in a lot of fields, there's no, like ethics is just not on the map. And yeah. this, this episode is, you know, it's obviously it's science fiction and the the idea of the mad scientist is a little bit made up, but it's also, we, we do a little bit live in a world made by mad scientists now like maybe like we should uh, be thinking about educating these people on ethics in the same way we do doctors. I,
3: yes, we need ethics for software developers. It should be required to become a licensed software developer to take either a course in ethics or some kind of renewed license. That's so essential and it's completely missing. Yes, please. I mean, that's how we get this broken capitalist version of software development where everything's like, well, but can it make money? Right. And it's like, do we have to live live in the worst version of capitalism too where like this amazing (laughs) technology gets used for the worst possible ends because no one wants to take a fucking math or an ethics test Jesus yeah Yeah. (laughs) please
0: yeah thanks John uh that seems like a good place to end themes and deep stuff uh we're pro ethics and stem (laughs) Uh, And with that let's move on to why we need ethics and stem recommendations (laughs)
3: recommendations
0: so there's like so many like robot movies to choose from uh it was really hard to like narrow things down um and i want after me and uh, yoder give our movie recommendations i want john to just quickly drop some star trek episodes also, <laughs> episodes also um but i'm gonna start with the 2015 movie ex machina uh directed by alex garland who uh did annihilation which is a movie amazing and he also wrote the book the beach um which we were talking about the beach off off podcast recently <laughs> uh so this movie's 2015 it's um robot uh it's like an ai uh, a robot and whether it can pass the turing test and it's dark and strange and beautiful cool. and it is one of the only movies i've ever seen where um a crazy choreographed dance increases the tension instead of relieving any of it uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's really good yeah. um I'm also going to recommend the 2007 movie Lars and the Real Girl uh, starring Ryan Gosling, where he's uh, a loner who falls in love with um, a sex doll. Uh, There's no AI in this movie, but it's about the like loneliness and the personification of dolls. Uh, And it's got some good acting and it's an interesting movie. And I haven't seen it in a few years, but the last time I saw it, like, made me cry. Um, I don't know if it would do that again, but I felt there's a good, like... uh, brothers like siblings sibling relationship that's like really strong throughout the movie um so i recommend that uh and uh i'm 100 percent sure i've recommended blade runner before even (laughs) though i didn't see it in recommendations uh but you know i know i know i had to have recommended (laughs) blade runner at some point uh so instead i will recommend uh blade runner 2049 uh the uh was that 2018 or 2017 yeah uh, 2018 uh it was really good uh has excellent uh robot having a robot girlfriend and uh reading more into like your ai relationship than is maybe there or or you know like you're you're applying a lot of consciousness to machines in that movie is it weird
1: for me to say the holographic girlfriend is like my favorite character from that movie but she's awesome
0: and it's a really interesting thing of like he reads too much into it like Uh, That he basically finds out he's fallen in love with the basic model because he's a basic model himself. You know?
3: Also stars Ryan Gosling. It's a Ryan Gosling heavy uh, (laughs) recommendation list.
0: (laughs) One
1: think about that. Uh,
0: And my final rec, uh, I'm going to recommend the 1927 silent German expressionist Metropolis, uh, which if you haven't seen, you really need to see. Uh, uh, If you live in a college town, they will be playing it in a theater (laughs) at some point this year and see it in a theater with a live orchestra, if you can. Uh, and there's a, a mad scientist who builds a robot that then gets a human face, and uh, so that's why it connects. And the human, the human-looking robot drives the world to chaos with her erotic dances, um, <laughs> which are hilarious to watch it because they are like somebody who had never seen dances before trying to film what a sexy dance could possibly look like. <laughs> Uh, but the movie's amazing obviously it deserves like all the hype it it uh gets uh so those are my recs uh yoder
1: okay uh so my first recommendation is the movie mumford from 1999 it's uh i think written and directed by jake kasdan the son of lords kasdan but it's about this guy that like goes to a small town and pretends to be a psychiatrist and he has no license or training it, he's like reasoning is that like people just always talk to him about their problems, which like, I think a lot of people do that with other people. But anyway, it's a good movie. I haven't seen it in like 10 years though, I feel. But yeah, the reason I, I'm recommending it is because of Jason Lee's character, um, who's like, a, like a, a tech giant that has like, he's like kind of giving a lot of jobs to this small town. But his like secret side project is that he's building a sex robot and he kind of has altruistic reasons like for like to help people that are lonely out in the world and stuff. But also, he's just terrified to talk to women himself, which you know. So, that that's what that movie is. What were you gonna say, John? Oh,
2: just I I do I I really like Mumford. Uh, I, it's a really weird movie totally, because it's tonally it's basically a rom com. Like it's shot like a rom com. The dialogue is very rom com style. And then the sex robot thing is like it. it we can't <laughs> talk about it without blowing it, uh, spoiling it, because that's why we're talking about it. But it's such a twist that comes through in like, it's like in the third reel where like. Jason Lee's character is suddenly like I'm building a sex robot you're like there's there's, there's no science fiction in this film (laughs) up to this point it's
1: just it's such a weird moment that is a spoiler yeah um, I should have said beforehand because it's not in the trailer Um, I'm like there is like something going on with Jason Lee's character he's just you just think he's kind of like weird and he likes to skateboard and stuff but like then it's like oh okay this is what's going on
2: yeah yeah. I also didn't watch that movie for like 10 years I I, I downloaded it got it this year watched it this year um, and, uh, I will say that like all rom-coms, there are things about it that don't age well. Like it has sure. some, some gender politics that I think, uh, should be, uh, troubled, but, yeah. uh, but it's a great movie. I, I
1: think no matter what the fact that even though he wasn't a licensed
2: psychiatrist
1: that he was pretending to be, and he ends up like falling romantically in love with one of his patients. Yes. Like that. <laughs> Speaking of, like, <laughs> that's something that's kind of like a no deal. Like that's <laughs> everything right there. Um, and then my other recommendation is uh, Metropolis two thousand one anime, which uh, there was a manga I think by the same guy that did like Astro Boy. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, and like they turned into anime. I I don't know. I I like it a lot, and I just like my obvious choice was the original Metropolis, and I'm glad Dennis picked that. But like this would be a good companion. The thing I thought of um, late in the game that maybe I'll add to the list here is just uh, when we were talking up front is Alita Battle Angel, the movie that came out last year. Um, and I think, uh, you know, there's a, she's a robot girlfriend, but um, it doesn't have the same ickiness problems, I guess, that, like, a lot of things do when dealing with that. And I was going to say, too, for Mumford, maybe that is a thing to look at for how the main character reacts to Jason Lee when he can, like, indul- like let his friend know you know that this is what he's doing. When we get to the point that everyone has, or a, you know, robot girlfriends are <laughs> out in the world, and it's like how to react to your friend that tells you that that's the case or something.
3: I want to say something about Elite of Battle Angel for a second, though, because that's it's a robot daughter and a robot girlfriend. Yes, it checks and both I, the boxes. Yeah, it's awesome in that way. But yeah, it is a little less icky.
0: Technically, think- she's got a human brain or alien brain so
1: well that helps (laughs) then,
3: right so it's just a it's just a body it's the the brain itself is yeah then you're covered thank you Dennis that's why it's not icky well it's also like
0: one of the funny things one of the funny loops that movie gives to make it less icky is like the original scientist gives the Alita like his daughter's body right and it's like a childish body and then her next body is like more adult but she like is able to like upgrade it herself so it's not like the scientist gave her boobs she gave
1: herself boobs (laughs) the nanite technology or whatever did it yeah i don't know why that like why can't we just start from the point that she's a grown adult instead of like anyway yeah (laughs) uh yeah this is uh
0: maybe a weird way to end this episode (laughs) sorry Uh, uh
2: can i talk about star trek yeah, please. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is hey, getting... Kenny, please. <laughs> Sorry, recommendations <laughs> is running longer than ever, but I'm going to just continue on. Uh, so the Star Trek episodes that come up for this, uh, off the top of my head, uh, obviously in the original series, you have um, Nomad, which is the episode where you have a robot who is like trying to find the man who created it and it's creating all this havoc, uh, destroying things in its path, trying to find the, the creator. I am Nomad. It's, that's a classic. That's really good. In The Next Generation, you have uh, Measure of a Man, which is the absolutely classic episode uh, where is uh, put on trial for uh, to see if he has civil rights, basically. And it's just a question of ethics of how we treat robots. Does that, you know, at what point does a robot become a person? That's absolutely classic and one of the all-time just pieces of Patrick Stewart acting ever. It's so good. Um, but then the best one, I think, for this is the uh, episode In Theory which is a later uh, Next Generation episode that doesn't always get enough credit. It's uh, directed by Patrick Stewart, and this is the one where Data has a girlfriend. And so it's the same story of, you know, sort of a robot significant other, but it's told because we know Data. It's sort of more from his point of view. So you uh, sympathize with Data's side of it because he's like working on himself, trying to become more human uh, so that he can have a relationship, and he actually just fails. Like he's a really bad boyfriend at the end of it, and she breaks up with him, And the end of the episode is he just like, spoilers, I guess. The end of the episode is he just like deletes his boyfriend program and he just goes back to everything being normal instantly. (laughs) And it's really creepy because like the whole time you the whole arc of data is you're like, he's becoming more and more human and he, you know, he feels more human than most of the characters on Star Trek. But then in this one moment, this is like really harsh reminder that he's just a robot because he just like deletes his, his boyfriend program and oh, good episode. Hello, Spot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right uh those are good wrecks. uh i think every single segment is going along this episode maybe we're just in a silly mood uh but let's move on to predictions virgin
1: predictions So should I provide the context here? Yeah,
0: uh Yoder, please provide the context for what's about to happen right now.
1: So um if you might remember uh the superstar universe where I was in control, um <laughs> I found uh in regards to Michael's predictions, um uh that David was uh, you know, trying to help him score a point for one of his previous predictions that you guys denied. So that's what this is.
0: This is a more another glimpse in, into the other universe where Yoder's in charge.
2: I see. So uh, Shall I roll the clip? Yeah. We have this long-standing prediction, Michael, that uh, you said that the next time Buffy gets good advice from an adult other than Giles or Joyce, that adult will die in that episode. Now, the question to me here is, is this good advice, and is Spike an adult? I think it is good advice.
3: Mm.
0: I don't think Spike is an adult in the sense of, like, he's not, even though he's, like, You know, almost 200 years old now. Right. Uh, He's definitely not like a generation above Buffy. Right. Which is, I think, how we've defined adulthood, even though, like, Buffy's an adult now.
1: Spike's not an adult. He smokes. He drinks. I mean, he's not a minor.
3: Okay. I mean, you could literally interpret it that way, Dennis. But I mean, (laughs) like, a human adult, not a superhuman, not a monster. All right. I mean, like, an adult. That is not a monster, gives advice.
1: Michael, what are, what are you doing? I'm trying to help you here. <laughs> All right. So that's the first clip from uh, Full for Love, season five, episode seven, which I think was the first time it was brought up about that uh, prediction. Okay. And then there's another clip from the next episode.
0: I swear to God, this prediction will haunt our entire podcast.
2: Uh, We have one uh, from season three, episode four. The next time Buffy gets good advice from an adult other than Giles or Joyce, that adult will die in this episode. Now this hinges on whether or not we believe that Ben the intern has given Buffy good advice. Travis, our resident medical expert, is clearly in the camp that he did not give Buffy good advice. Uh, Dennis, on the other hand, uh, you believe that it was good advice.
0: Yeah, I, th- I say within the context of the show, within what they wrote, the writers wanted this to be good advice. Uh, obviously, the writers are not medical experts, um, but they were writing advice like for from the point of view of the emotions of Buffy. So I think it was good advice. His advice is go for a walk. It's not advice. No, it was definitely good advice. It's definitely advice.
3: I guess this hinges on John. John's going to be our decider. <laughs> also, yeah. how many times are we going to let this play out because I feel like we've already used this one. This
2: once. one is, this one is a, a tricky one that we should have thought about uh, when it was uh, written. Um, should have thought about the warning a little more critically because it, it really does hinge on this question of good advice and what constitutes good advice and whether or not this is an adult. I mean, I suppose he seems to be only slightly older than Buffy. Everybody's oh. an adult. now. <laughs> yeah. I think
1: everybody's an adult. What you, you just said last episode that Spike wasn't an adult.
2: Now you're saying everybody's an adult. <laughs> um, I think this is good advice. I think that, again, I'm I'm thinking from Dennis's point of view, I I agree with what what he's saying that uh, what's important is that the show considers it good advice. From the point of view of sort of the writers of the show, that this is considered to be good advice. It's meant to endear us to this character and show that he cares about Buffy on some level. So. Uh, I think this one's denied because he didn't die this episode. I swear to fucking God. And so then we follow this one up uh, again in the the next episode. Is that right?
1: And this one, I don't think, I don't know if it connects directly to that prediction. It it was when you were talking or we were talking because I was there. We all remember. um, But uh, about the literalness of the predictions and how those are taken.
2: Okay. Okay. You know what? I think I'm going to have to vote confirm on this only because I, I feel like I have it coming. I feel like uh, I, I, I have I've been difficult on language so many times that I really have no right to complain and talk about the spirit of the law <laughs> at this point so uh, on those grounds
3: uh, but but you realize by doing this, John, you're going for a full literal interpretation, right that this is setting a precedent of literal interpretations. Uh, we're actually, op- we're operating on that precedent that's been set for the previous four we seasons. We are already operating on a literal interpretation. Yeah,
2: exactly. It's based on precedent that uh, I, I, I want to make this call.
1: What about the literal interpretation of Spike giving good advice? <laughs> I mean, and he dies that episode and the flashback when he's turned to a vampire. Also, if we're being literal, the prediction says adult, not human adult, Michael, Uh, so, so that—that's my evidence for my case on, on on maybe giving Michael that one point back here.
2: <laughs> uh, this is the zombie uh, prediction. Who
3: is this strange angel? <laughs>
1: well, I figured I should use my first of all. How good. dare
3: you point out
0: that in one episode I say something and then I directly contradict it at the very next episode. How dare you?
1: Yeah, I feel like you guys will get through next week fine because you just had to listen to five minutes of yourself like talking. So that's probably like the most painful thing you'll have to do ever.
3: Um, yeah, <laughs> this is like this is just the most haunting prediction. Like it causes so much stress behind I'll the scenes. Never
1: get rid of this predict. No, anyway, that's 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 that was the case that uh, I was trying to make. I think because I was doing a catch up because I'd kind of like fallen back on. Uh Watching the episodes because I still feel like I need to watch Angel and I haven't been, and it's just like it's too much but um, but seeing everything you know like over the past week, you know condensed, I kind of saw these contradictions here
0: uh well, John is in charge of predictions, so <laughs> uh this is all laid on
3: him. Um. Are you gonna issue a formal pardon or are you gonna issue a new ruling based upon? Is Mike going to bring the case to a to the Supreme Court, which is what I'm going to call the fo- the five of us?
2: <laughs> okay. Do you guys actually want to talk about this old prediction? Can we? Can we? Re-
3: I really don't, but we're doing it. So. <laughs> can we reframe this conversation again? So, what is what is the original prediction again? What yes. is what are we debating? Because I okay. feel like it got a little bit muddied in the yeah. prediction uh, clips. Sorry. Uh, good, good call. Good call, Mike.
0: Um, so. Yeah. The prediction was, um, next time Buffy gets good advice from an adult, that adult will die. Right. Yoder's argument is that spike gave good advice in that episode. And in that episode we saw William, the bloodied, we saw William die and become spike.
2: Right. So which happens be- by the very before the literal- advice in story time <laughs> or like after it, it, it well, it's as you watch the episode, shoot. but it's a flashback, right? So it happens before in sort of diegetic time,
3: but in, film time it takes place after, right? Right. Because the advice comes and then he dies, though it's in the past. Right. And that's these this crazy literal interpretation, but we do literal interpretation. So that's one the other piece of advice was the Ben advice, but that's a later episode and that's yes. the one we were using we previously. We're done on the
0: Ben advice. We're not talking right, no, about that. I know Please. we're not. We're done. That's the denial,
1: yeah.
3: Okay, well, well I, I mean, we're only, like we're only to, done with the denial if we want to be done with the denial.
1: <laughs> you guys were ready to give him the point almost, but then it was the, hinging on the fact, is this Spike an adult? And then, like, you guys were like, uh, no.
3: Yeah, I,
0: I argued at the time, Spike's not an adult. But then the next episode, I was like, Ben is an adult, because everybody's an adult now. Right. Uh, I do see so the contradiction I was being there. being contradictory, yeah.
3: This has taught me so much. This whole experience. <laughs> has it, though? what to everyone yeah. out there listening do never never make a list of predictions with your friends
2: <laughs> it, it, you know, very, that's a very just... narrow piece of good advice
3: i think it's taught me you know that part in books where they have introductions where they define terms and you're like oh why are they defining this stuff get to the b- part of the book that makes is interesting and it's like oh yeah to avoid ambiguity and yeah. like we almost never define terms and so we have constant ambiguity but mm-hmm. also people yeah the truth is ambiguous <laughs>
1: it's almost more like a translator's note, like if it was in another language first and then like translated into English to be like, now the meaning of the text was this, but I've transposed it to say, you know, like brother instead of friend or something. Well,
3: I mean, I guess the other problem is like, we started out with like knowing like the realization that the truth can be somewhat ambiguous or can depend on your perspective, but then the case law of Buffy Virgin podcast has become a literal interpretation <laughs> Dude, of the law. Right. So we built up a body of case law. Well, okay, you know, we and I write- think
0: I'm, I'm the one who's arg- always arguing for spirit of the law or actually, I don't think I'm even that consistent. I'm always <laughs> arguing for my no, whatever. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you're just arguing against me.
3: No, you just want to, you have this idea that this is more interesting as a show if I'm wrong more. So yeah. <laughs> it's great. Uh, I like that. Uh, Yeah. Then yeah, And then John argues for a literal interpretation of the law. And then I I argue for a, this show is more interesting if Mike is right more often. Right.
1: Okay. Those are good judges then, because you each have different points of view. Well, the
3: problem is John and Dennis side with each other. (laughs) And John runs the prediction. So when the judge is, you know, impartial or already partial, rather, you know, we couldn't write Buffy, but we could all be Fox News pundits. This would be a brilliant... (laughs) Yeah, we but got the split India screen issue. already and the shouting.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So.
3: Can we just do a straight up and down do with the thumbs? we just do a straight up and down
2: vote on this? Uh, yeah. Thinking and back, Yoder gets a vo- vote.
3: Yes, Yoder gets a vote because, because the, he, he
2: brought it to sure, us. Sure, sure. He's, oh, he's the he author of the Then there's going to be f- possible tie. We could have a tie. We'll see well, what we'll just ha- if The thing is, if you have a tie, then the previous ruling holds. That's right. Okay, I'm, I'm okay with that. Okay, so thinking just about the spike instance first. Let's just do that first. Does the spike instance constitute good advice from an adult? Uh, who then dies. Who then dies. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, I think I got it. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so I that's a tie. Means, All right, <laughs> the previous ruling holds. Previous ruling holds. Now thinking about Ben. Does oh Ben give about ben? I wasn't, advice? I wasn't
1: debating that that vote was wrong. Oh,
2: okay. Well then, fine. All right. So, the ruling stands, uh, in which case we may just edit all of this out. <laughs> this is <laughs> a bit yeah, this episode's already long.
1: You it's don't getting need a, to a bit navel-gazy. Right. Can, um,
3: okay. Can I, I, my comment about this, it feels like, based on this, the invention of a legal system is fucking inevitable to solve <laughs> to solve disputes because the sense of injustice is so profound that people feel that you have to create an impartial system. It's an inevitable fucking solution. Jesus.
1: Or, uh, a fourth option, because we've gone over this so many times or whatever. But uh, instead of the old ruling standing, since it was a tie, we could put it to a Twitter poll and let people vote on it to decide. But that. Is rather convoluted. I, I think
2: if it was I, a more important prediction, like if it was. I also don't think
0: the audience has expressed any care about this at all. Yeah. No, this is all us.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, sorry to go back down that rabbit hole again, you guys.
3: No, that was lovely. I think we should cut it from the podcast, though. But this is really fun. <laughs> <laughs> I I think cutting it because I think this is inviting. Because when we had the other prediction gate a while back. Uh, I don't think people cared about that decision when we did that one too long.
2: Yeah,
3: I I'm forgetting even what that one was.
2: A lot. Uh, I, I I don't know. I enjoyed that. The last one we got into a okay, big then, tiff over was the: uh, Does Xander have sex with a monster he doesn't know is a monster?
3: Oh gosh, yes. Okay, that one was great. You know <laughs> Which what? I believe Keep that one's in. still open. <laughs> Keep it in for Yoder. He's a fan of the show. He represents a significant yeah. percentage of our audience. He put the, he put the effort in. Yeah.
2: Okay. All right. Starting uh, predictions proper for this episode uh michael at present uh with 157 confirmations and 91 denials under your belt your accuracy is at a 63.89 for the entire show and looking at season five in isolation you are at a 67.86 so let's see uh how we can move those numbers this episode there's going to be some things that we could talk about this episode that we're going to i think are gonna be better talked about uh in the next episode for for the body so we're going to leave some things off but um uh we have one that's i think very unambiguous in season two episode 11 michael you predicted two words more robots which we have we have more robots Mm -hmm. This has got to be the long, so far in the series,
0: the longest time between prediction made and prediction confirmed.
2: It,
3: it feels that way. It definitely feels that way. Congratulations, Mike, on that one. It was inevitable. More robots. <laughs>
1: How long will the episode be at the end of the series to close out all of the open predictions? It's going to have
2: to be its own episode. Yeah, it's, gonna, it's getting ridiculous. Okay. This is one that we I, I want to talk about now because I feel like it. We should just get this out of the way, uh, Michael. You predicted just a couple episodes ago. Ben and Glory are the same person, which I think was already a pretty safe bet at the time. But I think we can just can we just go ahead and confirm this now? What are you talking about? I mean, he I don't, predicted. I don't,
3: what are you talking about? I don't remember anything from this. Uh, like one
2: moment. So Puffy Mike was made this. Yeah, Mike made ben. this prediction.
3: And then another moment, Glory was talking to Ben.
2: Right. Mike or maybe this prediction, was talking yeah. To, uh, ben and Glory are the same person.
1: I mean, it was weird that Ben was like in Glory's apartment stretching out her dress, but I don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're subletting from each maybe they're roommates. I don't know.
2: Okay, so this one we're just gonna leave open then. Sounds like it. Okay. All right, so with one confirmation, uh, Michael, your uh score has shifted for the show overall has shifted from a 63.89 to a 64.03 and your uh, score for this season in isolation has shifted from a 67.86 to a 68.97
3: great i have some new predictions
2: hooray (laughs) i was hoping you would
3: yep it's exponential folks First, uh, Amy the Rat, eventually she'll become human, but Amy the Rat has not been keeping up with school. <laughs> so I think that when she does become human, she may have learned some magic by living with Tara and, uh, you know, Willow or whatever, or like being around people, uh, the, the Buffy crew. She's going to know about the Buffy people, but she has not been keeping up with school.
2: I'm sorry, um, why are we getting an Amy the Rat prediction here? What prompted this? Uh, I think I wanted to make some April predictions, but I
3: think she's gone. And uh, I, I I know I've got some Amy the Rat stuff on the books. And I, I just. I didn't want to make more predictions about um, Joyce. I feel like I have enough of those right now. But as I was thinking about her situation, that's all. I mean, it's OK. Part of my brain is, uh, you know, there's a lot of stream of consciousness, guys. So sorry about that. Okay, so the next one, I think Spike's Buffy bot will malfunction. This is inevitable. Whatever the robot is created, we've just seen a really crappy robot made. Guess what? This next one's going to be bad, too. Spike's Buffy bot will malfunction. Third prediction, Buffy will fight the Buffy bot. (laughs) Come on. There's Buffy versus Buffy. It'll be so much fun. We can't not have it happen.
1: What do you think? This is Star Trek or something? (laughs)
3: I don't even know why they have to set it up with this girlfriend episode. They could just have the Buffy bot show up. Uh, Dawn will play with a Spike doll that she has made.
0: Sorry. So I feel like Dawn has learned some
3: bad lessons from Spike. Um, I think give her a Spike doll. I I say I'll just say she'll play with a Spike doll. She may not have made it like you guys are going to say, like, that's not a doll. That's just a vague representation. Uh. Don will play with a spike like, spike like, play thing. Spike like th- thing. Spike like thing. Because she likes Spike, even though he's a bad choice for her. I would like to remind uh, Michael the Virgin that we have just gone through a lengthy, lengthy discussion about the literal interpretation of
2: predictions. <laughs> so he's thinking about that. That's why we're getting spike like thing. Okay. Spike like. <laughs> object not
1: spiky i don't
3: understand spike inspired spike influenced object uh okay and then uh final prediction this is the bonus prediction xander as a contractor you know using his contractor powers will build a new tool for killing vampires i feel like xander you know even though buffy is like you know kind of aware that xander can make things he will need to prove it to her in a more explicit way not just by repairing shit he's going to build some like cool super tool. It'll be a Q moment. It's going to be awesome. And I mean, Q from James Bond. Uh, and he'll create like a rad tool for her to use to fight vampires. I was thinking of like from dust till dawn. Is that kind of what you, you know what? I'm changing that word from vampires. I'm going to say monsters because <laughs> I've learned a few lessons.
2: Okay. Uh, is, is that going to, which one of these is going to be your super prediction, Michael?
3: The Xander will build a new tool for killing
2: monsters. Okay. All right. Awesome.
0: Uh, I've been, uh, your host, Dennis St. John. That's Dennis with one N. Uh, I'm at Dennis comics, D E N I S C O M I X on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find my books land of many monsters and many more monster tales and Amelia monsters and girl book, wherever the internet is found. Uh, and, uh, if you're in Bethesda, Maryland in September, I'll be at SBX, uh, and, uh, Yoder, what are you up to? Where can people find your stuff?
1: uh i'm on twitter the twitter uh as awesome yoder one word um and i sometimes post movie review comics at david and david at themovies.wordpress.com i've got like an example of that book behind me there but check it out folks i wish i was going to SBX. so have a lot of fun and say uh hello to mutual friends of mine or ours for me
0: i will i will
3: all right uh Mike, you're busy moving. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I live in a been living in like mid move for a few months now. So excited to finally do it. Uh, John, how is your robot building going?
2: (laughs) Uh, I got some new robot parts, actually.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Uh, So (laughs) Trav, uh, how's the doctoring? It's all right. All right, good, good. Everybody's doing well. Uh, So (laughs) thank you one and all for listening and talking to us at Buffy Virgin. Uh, You can visit our website, BuffyVirgin.com, for links to our blog, our YouTube, our Twitter, and our Instagram. Uh, Reach out. We love to hear from you. And don't forget to rate and review us on the podcast listener of your choice. Smash that subscribe button, all that crap. And we'll see you in hell.